is the moment you've all been waiting for. DC and RC. Welcome to a brand new episode of DC. Coming to you Lafayette, Louisiana. It's DC and RC. Hailing from Aurora, Louisiana. It's fight night. Catch your right hook and your right eye. Change how you look. Daniel, come again. And Ryan Clark, the champs are here. With battle scars, this warfare. Louisiana's in the air. From the railroad to Lafayette to Los Angeles to Times Square. One show without you going, I'm Super Bowl champ. When the mic's on, it's showtime. DC and RC, we win in Super Bowls and Emmys. And Daniel got two belts around the belly. DC, two-division champ. I ran the UFC. Because we asking all, all the tough questions. This guy's the worst, I see. I don't know how you can do a show with DC, you broke my heart. This is MMA, mixed martial all-stars. And we bought that ground and pound, so be on guard. And we going round for round, because we want it all. But there can only be one in the octagon. DC and RC, DC and RC, DC and RC, ESPN, tune in to see. Well, guys, welcome to DC. Wait. No. Welcome to RC. Man, can you believe it? This started out as a football player with a former two-division champ. And today, I am all by myself. We're going to jump into Israel Adesanya, Sean Strickland. What a shocker and a huge upset. We're also going to look forward to Alexa Grasso. And I bet you're wondering, why is RC by himself? You know why? Because my partner, my colleague, my friend is too big time. He is ranging the bell at the New York Stock Exchange. Everyone knows this is a huge week and we want to continue to give our prayers and our thoughts to all of those who lost people at 9-11. But DC is in New York ringing the bell. This is such an honor for my man, but it's also so well deserved. When you've accomplished what what he's accomplished inside the octagon and now in the media, you should have an opportunity to do things like this. Oh, but wait. Is DC on Dana White's jet? So this what we doing? We don't even fly commercial no more? We not hopping on Southwest trying to get A1, A2, or A15 to make sure we can get Southwest first class is where you stretch your feet and get that leg room in the exit row. You know what I'm most upset about? DC never invites me around any of his cool friends. I always got to hang out with like Habib. Who wants to hang out with a beep? He doesn't say anything nice anyway. But, you know, coming off of this weekend in UFC 293, I've never hid the fact that I'm a huge Israel Adesanya fan. But going into this fight, I felt like it was a total mismatch in striking against Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland shows up with an unorthodox style. And what was crazy is he managed to stay out of kickboxing range the entire fight. He had an answer for the leg kick. He found ways to let the jab find home. And also... Let's think about the first round knockdown. Even in Israel Adesanya's loss to Alex Pereira, we never seen him or never saw him hit the mat. 
and we know what Stone Hands does. And so for me to watch this fight and see that knockdown early, I wanted to see, okay, has Izzy recovered? Is Izzy back to his old self? And he was able to move around the octagon. He was able to recover in the second round, in the round that he won. But three, four, and five, to me, were dominant for Sean Strickland. And to watch him at the end of that fight screaming at Izzy or to hear him after the fight say it felt like I was fighting an amateur. We're not just talking about any old champion. We're talking about Israel Adesanya who has reigned atop the middleweight division for years. And through that reign, we've seen his skill, we've seen his tenacity, we've seen his toughness. And so you have to give all credit to Sean Strickland. So many people are saying Israel wasn't the same. Dana White, Israel Adesanya looks slow. You can't give him those excuses because there's been so many times where his slow or not looking the same has allowed him to hear and steal from Bruce Buffer. And so Sean Strickland fighting for the everyday working man, a dude that says, I just love to fight. The psycho tendency of not caring about being punched in the face, being able to come forward and move forward constantly, that won him the belt. And it says something to me about the UFC. It isn't about being knocked down. It's about what do you learn through those knockdowns? What lessons do you learn? Can you come back? What sort of emotional and mental fortitude do you have? And so along with the physicality, Sean Strickland was able to show that he's as good a fighter as anyone in that weight division by beating the reigning and dominant champ, Israel Adesanya, in his prime. And now listen, I know none of you guys tune in for me. I'm the guy that gets to hang out with DC and do what you all love and talk about what you all love, the UFC. But I decided that I needed someone who was sitting next to the octagon calling this fight. And since DC is on the PJ and at the New York Stock Exchange, I called in some reinforcements. Welcome to One Round with Laura Senko off of her monumental experience of calling the fights in Sydney, Australia for UFC 293. I am so excited to welcome this trailblazer. Laura, just right out of the gate, what was the experience like being octagon side for such a huge event? Well, first of all, you didn't tell me I was going to get my own graphic on this show. Like, I would have been here. I would have been doing this show ages ago if, if I had known that you could actually. I mean, that was that was just tremendous. But no, I, the weekend the weekend was surreal. Honestly, it hasn't all completely sunk in yet because the jet lag isn't exactly uh, isn't exactly helping my brain catch up to reality. But man, what a what a moment when that uh, when that music hit for the main card. I looked to my left is DC, to my right is John Anik. Just, I can't even begin to tell you, uh, as a, someone who was just a fan sitting on my couch back in 2004, 2005, to be standing there, I mean, crazy, just crazy. You know, Laura, this doesn't happen without the effort and the work that you've put in to not only understand the sport but be able to communicate it in a way where the fans and the people who love the UFC can feel like they're actually a part of the fight and so you did an amazing job and coming from someone who would probably be much too nervous to have to be in that moment be live oh, commentating on something that's so big you did an amazing job we're all proud of you and I know there's some young women sitting at home now who love this sport as much as you do and they are looking at you as someone that 
they can hopefully be going forward in their lives. So from me to you, we just want to say thank you and also continue doing what you're doing. We hope to see you a ton more. But the reason you were there was to see Israel Adesanya defend his middleweight belt against Sean Strickland. And most people thought that stylistically, especially when it came to striking, the edge went to Izzy. But Sean Strickland quickly showed us early in the first round with the first knockdown of Israel Adesanya in his entire career that that was not the case. Sitting octagon side, what was the most striking thing about this upset of Israel Adesanya? I mean, the, the most striking thing about the upset to me was how much that one exchange, that one punch changed the momentum and the entire tenor of this fight. Because up until that point, you know, Izzy, Izzy and Sean were having moments where they were each pressing each other a bit. I mean, it was a relatively slow round, a more tactical round, but there were moments where Sean was on the back foot a little bit. But after that punch, if you were to watch this fight from some sort of bird's eye view, if there was a camera that was only looking over the top of the octagon, from that moment on, all Israel Adesanya was able to do was go backwards. And I tell you what, no matter how high level a striker you are, no matter if you are considered to be the best counter striker in the UFC, it is really difficult to fight an entire championship level fight off the back foot. And that's exactly what Sean Strickland forced him to do. You know, Laura, so my question would be this. As an outsider, I'm watching that, and I felt like Izzy rebounded well in the second round. And then from the third through the fifth, it seemed that Sean dominated, doing exactly what you said, was moving forward constantly. What was it he was able to do from a defensive standpoint? Because I've seen Israel Adesanya, Adesanya retweet, uh, retreat, put his back on the cage, and find ways to land strikes. And he couldn't do that against Sean Strickland. Why was Sean such a difficult puzzle piece or puzzle to solve for Izzy? Well, it was a couple of things. First of all, Sean figured out how to deal with the leg kicks of Izzy, which were going to be a problem from him coming into this fight if he didn't deal with it. Now, he still took a lot of damage to that leg. You saw him after the fight, big ice packs on it, but he did a tremendous job dealing with and either hacky sacking the calf kick or just simply avoiding it and not being there. And that was going to be Izzy's leading weapon to figuring out how to how to find uh, Sean. And it's a weird thing to say how to find Sean because that that to me is what is so intriguing about Sean in a nutshell because Sean's not hard to find, right? He's right there. Yeah. He's right <laughs> on the edge of the range, but he's so good at just manipulating himself just out and then just right back in. It is the smallest of moments, but the fact that he's able to be so defensively sound as he does it is what makes him so special, and he's got really unique defensive structures that we don't see a lot in MMA, quite frankly. They're a little bit more of a boxing style. They're kind of a hybrid style. To me, I would say they're a trial and error style. It's something that Sean Strickland has taught himself over thousands and thousands of hours of sparring because the stuff that he does, I'm telling you, it's not something when you walk into an MMA gym that a striking coach is going to be showing you, hey, position yourself like this. Hey, you know, hold your hands like this. Be square. Like none of that stuff is what you're going to be taught, but it works for Sean Strickland. And he is a very difficult opponent to prepare for for that reason. 
Yeah, he, he has a style that's really unlike any other fighter in mixed martial arts or in the UFC. And it does remind you, and I'm not comparing him to this skill level, of Floyd Mayweather and the way that he was yeah, able no, to parry totally. shots with the right hand, use his shoulder to shield the, the left side of his face. And we saw that the entire fight. The other thing that was striking to me is there was zero fear from Sean Strickland, and we've always watched him walk forward. He even walked forward when he was knocked out by Alex in the first round during their fight. And so I'm not necessarily shocked that he wasn't scared of Izzy's power. I am shocked that Izzy was never had the ability to back him up, to keep him off of him. Israel Adesanya usually does a great job of staying in what's kind of like kickboxing range, and maybe that's what the leg kicks were going to do for him. When you look at Sean Strickland, as the champion now, you know, I saw they had some tweets and some people were saying, okay, there's some movement at the top of the division. A guy like a Robert Whitaker. Obviously, if you're Dracus Duplessis, you're looking at that title belt and it seems a little more achievable for people. What is the next step for Sean Strickland, especially after hearing Dana White say that Izzy deserves the rematch or you do the rematch? Do you think Israel Adesanya deserves this being one and two in his last three fights? Well, listen, Dana's the boss, and Dana calls the shots, and I, I can definitely see a case where such a dominant champion, I, I totally understand why they would they would allow him to come back and defend. And I think part of it, too, speaks to the fact that anybody watching that fight, you can't take anything away from Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland won that fight, especially because we're not talking about an early knockout where you, know, you could say someone got, quote-unquote, caught. Sean Strickland outstruck Israel Adesanya. That is a fact. However, I think anybody that watches that fight will tell you that's not the Izzy that we're used to seeing. Something definitely felt off. And I think part of that is the, the reason why you hear a lot of people calling for a rematch. Me, myself, I just love the fact that this division got put in a glass jar, shaken up, you know, thrown back on the table and Yahtzee, y'all. I mean, we don't even know what we can. We've got 50 different matchups to make now, and they're all really strong ones. Who's happier than Robert Whitaker right now, though? <laughs> like, for him to be able to, to finally have, like, all right, this is a champion. And you know he's looking at Sean going, that's a guy I could beat. Everybody was looking at Sean that way. That's the thing about Sean Strickland is he's a very deceptive fighter who essentially uses a very narrow tool set in a very yeah. particular way uh, to get the job done. So I think a lot of people kind of get maybe tricked into this idea of like, oh, I could beat that guy. And maybe that's part of what we saw on, on Sunday morning. Yeah. And you know, the other thing is this, styles make fights. You know, sometimes the person has a style or a way to approach fighting that does give other fighters difficult who we may, or difficulty who we may not necessarily see on the same tier. You know, you look at Sean Strickland versus some of his other opponents and you say, okay, this guy looks extremely beatable. But when you watch him, at least on what was Saturday night for me in Arizona, when you watched him Saturday night, he seemed and looked like the best middleweight in the world as he was dominating a dominant champ at the middleweight division during his prime. It's not like Israel Adesanya has fought exactly. his way out of being one of the best fighters in the world. And so 
the, the thing I thought about with Israel Adesanya was he held this belt so long because though he comes from a kickboxing background, he was able to defend takedowns. And even when taken down by a guy like Robert Whitaker, he found his way to his feet. And so he was able to maintain that belt by showing a skill set that people couldn't solve with his striking and making sure he wasn't overtaken by grappling. Does Sean Strickland have the skill set to be a long reigning champion in this division or do you think the other fighters thinking to themselves okay this might be a better shot for me is something that's true oh i think i think everybody thinks that whether it's true or not man I, it's hard for me to say I, my world is my world is looking a lot different after this fight than it did before and i think it's that way for a, a lot of analysts in this game i think I think there are many aspects to Sean's game and Sean's preparation that we didn't fully appreciate. And if he can make those types of adjustments for Israel Adesanya, then I believe that he can make those types of adjustments for other fighters. However, when you get a Robert Whitaker type that can grapple, that can strike, you know, the one thing about facing Izzy is you, you really know that you're not going to have to deal with too much offensive grappling. So it allows you to mm -hmm. focus on the really specific things that he does. And one of the things about being this dominant, long-reigning champion is that there are a hundred videos out there by really, really yeah. smart people yeah. all about how right. to beat Israel. I don't know of a single one. Maybe there's probably a few this, there's probably a few now, but like, I don't know of a single one up until this point about this is how you beat Sean Strickland, right? So <laughs> right. When, you be right. when you're at the top and you just have that target, Everyone starts trying to create these blueprints, and some people do a pretty dang good job of it. And I think Eric Nixick, in particular, deserves a lot of credit yeah. for adjusting to the calf kick and not allowing Izzy to have that weapon. Those little tiny teeps that Sean was using to poke Izzy right in the gut didn't necessarily do a lot of damage, but there were moments where it forced Izzy to sort of reset his combination. Reset, mm -hmm. and Just continue, continue to be on the back foot in a way that we've not seen him be before. It was crazy. Before we get to the fight coming up this weekend, I have one more question. I remember people tapping into Izzy's camp for his last fight with the legs when he was trying to regain the title and they talked about his different focus in training, how he was more on time, he trained harder, he did more because he understood the challenge that was ahead of him. We know how people look at Sean Strickland. Hell, I don't because I know he could beat me up, but I'm saying talking about people in the fighting world, in the middleweight division, in the UFC, how much of overconfidence or how much could overconfidence heading into this fight against Sean Strickland have played a part in Izzy not necessarily showing up as we're used to seeing him? Listen, Izzy's a guy who I think is at a level where his his focus is unshakable, but it is impossible to ignore the fact that he had a movie premiere. He had a guy that it was clear as day he felt ultimately confident in being able to beat him in a variety of different ways. I do think that maybe there was, especially coming off the heels of, of vanquishing the greatest foe in your entire career, there's no way right. he didn't feel like, I can take this guy out. For sure. I, I do believe right. that that had to be a factor. And I got to tell you something, Ryan. I feel like I feel like you should take the show over. Like, your MMA knowledge compared to last few <laughs> times, I mean, 
Do we, do you even need DC at this point? Yeah, I do. I do. Don't even start just that. Kidding, just kidding. Don't even start that. Hey, cause he's he's somewhere. Then he's gonna make me wrestle him. We're not in the same weight class, Laura. And I have absolutely no shot at making sure all my limbs stay intact. But thank you for the compliment. Now coming up this weekend, and it's it's really crazy or weird that we're coming off of Israel Adesanya losing his belt for the second time. We've seen Kamaru Usman, who was a long-reigning champ as well. We watched Amanda Nunes lose to Juliana Pena. Someone who seemed as unbeatable or more unbeatable than all of those fighters was Valentina Shevchenko, who was for the longest time a flyweight, absolute legend, icon, goddess inside of the octagon. And so we watched Alexa Grasso really execute her game plan to perfection. I mean, down to the point of waiting for a spinning attack and knowing that you could take the back of Valentina Shevchenko. And I don't even know, it wasn't even a rear naked choke because it never even got to her neck. And so when you look at what Alexa Grasso was able to do, how can she recreate that performance to remain a champion with someone like Valentina Shevchenko re-energized and reinvigorated by having that loss now looking to regain her title. Well, we have to remember that Alexa didn't just do that one thing right in the fight. There were a lot of uh, sequences earlier in that fight, although I, I, I think most people would see Valentina as sort of having the edge in the fight overall. There were certainly moments where uh, Alexa was giving her issues that maybe she didn't expect either. I mean, Valentina was forced to wrestle a lot in that fight, and I don't know that that's something that she necessarily expected coming in. And if Alexa Grasso's team, again, it's, it's sim- so similar to, to Sean and Izzy, if Alexa Grasso's team is the type of team that can sit down and see a very specific opening like that and train it and train it and train it to where she has the type of muscle memory where the, the moment that Valentina Shevchenko looks to spin, you saw how fast Alexa yeah. Grasso spider monkeyed onto her back. I mean, that's a woman <laughs> who's prepared. For that exact moment, and I believe that her camp with with more time is going to be able to go back and make further adjustments. I think, you know, these champs, to me, this is more akin to to Kamaru Usman and Leon Edwards because their skill sets were closer together than, say, Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes. I'm not saying that's going to be the outcome, but we knew going into this fight that Alexa Grasso's skill set is... is not necessarily on an entirely different echelon than Valentina Shevchenko. She's got a good chance. She had a good chance, and she got it done, and we'll see if she can do it again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she certainly did jump on her back uh, like a spider monkey, like Ricky Bobby's kids wanted to do Grandpa Chip uh, when they were yes. sitting at the, at the table. I have one last question for you, and thank you so much for your time. You know, Laura, In my culture, there are always these people that create these first and work their ways into having opportunities that many others may have tried or many others have laid a path to allow them to get to. For the young girls who are looking at you that love this sport the same way that you do, what feeling or what would you like to communicate to them, convey to them to say, you know what, you can be in this position too It is hard work, it is difficult, but the work and the effort is worth it once you reach a point where you can show things are possible. I think that MMA is the greatest sport on the face of the planet. No offense to NFL football, of course. I, and I, to me, I think it's the most equitable between men and women because it's the only sport where men and women are presented on the same platform. And if you're a woman who loves MMA, 
and trains and, and, and loves this sport to the core the way that I did, there is no limitation. It doesn't matter that it's still considered to be a male-dominated sport. You have to, all you have to do is be willing to put in the work and it's a lot of work and it's years of work and it's a lot of times where you're gonna wonder if it's ever gonna pay off. But there is absolutely a place for women analysts, for women commentators, for media members. Uh, this, is, this is truly the best sport in terms of men and women playing on the same field, so to speak, being presented on the same platform. And the results of that have been proven that women are good business in, in MMA and they should be. Well, Laura, thank you so much. I appreciate you. You did an amazing job this thank weekend. You. We look forward to seeing you many more times. And maybe next time, just slide over one seat to the right. It's a D.C. seat. And give my boy a break. You know, he's on these private jets from Sydney to the New York Stock Exchange. It's I a think lot he's all right. I think he's all right. <laughs> hey, appreciate you. Thanks a lot, Laura. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay. 
Alexa Grasso defends her belt this weekend against Valentina Shevchenko. And this year, Bruce Buffer said, and knew nine times. And that happened again last weekend when Sean Strickland was able to get the belt off of Israel Adesanya in what was one of the most stunning upsets, not only in middleweight history, but in UFC history. Israel Adesanya spoke after the fight about what his plans were for this fight and how this fight went. I had a different plan for this, but again, life throws curveballs at you. Thank you. Um, win or lose, I wasn't going to say much anyway, but right now, I lost tonight to the better man on the night, and I just want to go with be with people who care about me, my team, and they're waiting for me, so I'm going to do that, but I will leave you in the capable hands of a man who is much smarter than me. I'll admit this on worldwide national media. I'll leave it with Eugene Behrman. He'll handle this for the first time. I asked Mick if we could have the rematch next weekend. Okay. So whether he grants it, I'm not sure, but I'm just very confident that we can change the outcome of this fight with uh, very minor adjustments. Uh, what I'm saying is, we couldn't get Israel to enact our plan. We, there, was a lot of, there wasn't much cohesion in the corner. You have nights like this, and I think we can do the rematch tomorrow, and I think we can have a good night. And wow, and now we go one round with my man, Kamaru Uzman, former welterweight champion of the UFC. Kamaru, I just want to get right into it, bro, before we even go through the niceties of why you got this Under Armour shirt on and all of those things. When you hear you what the suit. Israel you Adesanya... see the suit. <laughs> That suit was fresh. Hey, when you hear what Izzy's coach said about this fight and the cohesion and the different small things that could be changed to change the outcome, not in the next fight, but next weekend, what does what he's saying mean to a, a commoner or a fan like me? I mean that that's it goes to to just tie in what Izzy said when Izzy got up there for a brief moment, Izzy did say, um, hats off to the, the better man who won tonight, the better man won tonight. You know, that's kind of what these are. You, you get your opportunity to perform that night at that moment. And in that moment, Sean Strickland was a better fight. was a better fighter. And so with Eugene Behrman coming up there and saying it, yes, giving him maybe next week, there's a couple of tweaks you could have changed. Maybe you'll come out with a different result, but I think that goes that that's that's part of the issue. You know, I I never want to say because as a fighter, I never want to really say what another fighter should do because for years a lot of people tried to tell me what I should do, and you know I defied the odds each and every time. So for Izzy, I think the activity might be a little too much. Izzy has been fighting a lot, a lot. Uh, between when I was champion, myself, Izzy, and, and we were we were fighting for, you know, quite a few pay per views. So I think Izzy yeah. Izzy's at a, po a point where I think he could, you know, just take a little break, and I think he can make the necessary adjustments to be able to come out there and, and win that fight. Because if you go back to the previous fight with his previous foe in Alex Pereira, I'm I mean, <laughs> three losses to this guy in a row. I think that right there was an even bigger test because after you've lost three yeah. times to this man and twice by stoppage, hey, you start to think yourself, like, am I able to get this job done? Mm-hmm.
You know, the, the big thing is, to me, Kamaru, it's not only that, you know, fighters like yourself or Israel Adesanya are so active as champions, it's having to raise your intensity, your your attitude, your the, the sharpness of your mind to that level to defend against championship caliber opponents. You know, like football is different, bro. We have, we have off seasons, right? So there's a time where we get to just sit around and chill and relax, spend time with, spend time with our families and reset. When you're continuing to defend your belt, when you're having to be on as much as a guy like Israel Adesanya has to, it's difficult to make sure you show up every week. I know you not you haven't been in this position particularly, but you mentioned his fights against Alex Pineda and how he had to get up to fight a dude who had beaten him three times, who had stopped him twice. How much can that take out of a fighter when you have to go to the depths you need to to prepare for that fight and you have to drag yourself through the pain of beating a fighter so aggressive, so violent, and when you finally do it, what is that release like and how could that affect you in preparing for your next opportunity I mean it can because that that was a giant of an opponent that was a giant of a foe that just kind of haunted you throughout your career as not only a kickboxer but now as a mixed martial artist so uh, that that was just an even bigger shadow to be able to overcome so when you do overcome that shadow it, it's it's I mean it's only natural to feel like okay that was the biggest test that I needed, that I had. I, I'm, I'm going to get through the rest of these guys. But with that being said, we have to also give credit to Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland is not an easy guy to fight. And especially with, with the way that Izzy fights, this is just kind of like a, a style that is able to potentially neutralize that type of style. So we have to give credit where credit is due here. Sean Strickland came in and did his thing. But that hard to see that the Israel Adesanya that we're all used to seeing wasn't the Israel Adesanya that we saw last weekend. Kamaru, I have a question for you because it's unique for me to have an opportunity to speak to you because you've been inside the octagon with Sean Strickland. He wasn't fighting at middleweight at the time, and it was a fight you dominated. And you were able to neutralize some of his skills with your style of fighting, with your aggression, some with the grappling. And so when you were inside the octagon with him, what were some of your feelings on his fighting style and how good of a fighter he was? He's a great fighter. Even before I fought him, he was he was, he was on a long, I believe, a long win streak. And, and I think he maybe just lost a fight or two before fighting me so he, he was already a very very good fighter very very difficult fighter to be able to deal with his length is a problem to deal with and the way that this guy stands he's standing right in front of you straight up and down with his hands <laughs> to his side and into and you think you're like oh man i'm just gonna hit his head but he kind of does this right. like stop where he gets his hands up and most people can't hit him and so when i fought him that that was the thing i, I just at the end of the day, we also have to understand that styles make fights. Styles yep. make fights. And my style was just that type of style that was able to neutralize him. Now, granted, that was a, a few a few years ago. He has definitely greatly right. improved. And I also have definitely greatly improved as well. But the styles make fights. And I think his style was just a, a difficult style 
to kind of present a problem to to Izzy and the way that Izzy fights. You know, Kamaru, this, you know, MMA is so much different than boxing. It's almost in boxing, losing is a death a death sentence. Like boxing is like college football. Uh, UFC is basically the pros, right? Where you can lose a fight, but if you're the best fighter, you can get an opportunity to climb your way back into contention and hold that belt. That's what we watched Sean Strickland do. Can you sort of explain to us when you say Styles makes makes fights? It makes me think of this: Alex Pineda walked into the octagon with Sean Strickland, and he could have fought the next fight because it was that quick, it was that dominant. And then you watch a guy like Sean Strickland really beat Izzy four of those rounds, and the fifth round, the second, was a round that he was also in. How do you explain the differences in improving that much that fast, or is it really just about when it's your night, it's your night? Well, yeah, that that's the thing is it's styles make fights and and he just kind of has that style that I I would have loved to see how and, and Alex Pereira how that fight turns out in the second, third, fourth round. I would have loved to see, it, but unfortunately, it didn't last that long. But his style is just that type of style that he's able to hang in those fights with guys that kick and punch, and he does also very well kicking and punching when you don't present more of a different variety of, of, of skill set that you throw in that tool in that in that fight it makes it very difficult to beat a guy like Sean Strickland because he's very very Got hard you. to hit his head is very mm-hmm. hard to hit now that that's why styles make fights like when I fought him I presented a whole different challenge to where you had to worry about me putting you on your back you had to worry mm-hmm. about me punching you had to worry about me kicking so I just presented a different skill set, and I just kind of I, I jumped on him right away. But you know, like I said, he's greatly improved, and as have I. But it just his style was just the type of style that would neutralize a style kind of like Izzy and Alex Pereira. Now, granted, Izzy's more of a sniper to where Alex Pereira right. is. I hit you, and I'm knocking over an elephant. You know, with with one shot, so so yeah. so that's yeah. that's that just kind of is, is the difference in those yeah. guys. But but Sean Strickland, I mean Sean Strickland, to the point that you made uh, a little bit ago in boxing, the, a big part of the reason why that it, it is kind of that way is in, in UFC, the best is fighting the best. You know the yeah. next guy up. all the time. You know that's the number mm-hmm. one guy. You know who that's the number two guy. So if I go in there and I fight the number one contender and I lose to that guy, I'm still up there. I'm still top three, right? you know, to where boxing, you might have some of these guys fight a mandatory challenger. And if they lose to that mandatory challenger, then it, it, it kind of tarnishes their, their reputation. But what Sean Strickland did is, um, is nothing short of just impressive. Right. You know, this is just kind of those, those situations to where if you leave a, 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 a contender in there, that's not really supposed to be in there yet. You leave them in the fight right. long enough. You <laughs> yeah. let them build that confidence to where they say to themselves, yep. oh, I could get them. And then once that confidence right. starts to build and build and build, now you find yourself in a fist fight that you necessarily didn't plan for. 
Yeah, you know, it, it, it reminds me of like we're all self-aware and we're all, we're confident beings, right? You were the you were the champion for so long because you were confident in what you could do inside the octagon. I was able to play for 13 years because I was confident in what I could do at my position. But that doesn't mean that when Randy Moss was on the other side, I was like, yeah, I'm finna go line up and press on Randy Moss. I know he can't burn me now. I was like, let me back up a little bit before I get ran by and mossed. But as a fighter, you go into a fight and you know if a guy has an edge or feels a certain or you feels a certain way. But when you drop him in the first round, it's the first time he's ever been down on the mat. And like you said, you stay in the fight to the third round, the fourth round. You do start to build a level of confidence to where after the fight, Sean Strickland's making jokes that it felt like he was fighting an amateur. And that can go to some of being in the octagon constantly, competing at a high level, the way Israel Adesanya has so often. DC said that he thinks Israel Adesanya should take a little bit of time off instead of taking the immediate rematch to sort of regroup, regain, and then now focus on getting that belt back. As a friend, as somebody who's also been through this the way Israel Adesanya is going through it now, what would be, I guess you say you don't want to suggest, what do you think is next for Izzy? That's a very, very, very tough question because yes, I was definitely in this position and I, and, and I honestly, looking back now, I probably rushed it. I probably should have taken a little bit more time off. And then if I'm still guaranteed that shot, go fight for that title. Now, it, a big part of the reason where you jump into the immediate rematch is, and, and I would, I would say this to myself in, in my case as well is, when you're, when you're in the middle of a title reign, it's day to go by that I'm not the man in charge. That I'm not the, 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 when they think about the middleweight division, that they don't think about my name as number one. And so after that fight, I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not going to give this man an opportunity to carry around my belt to say he's the champion. And, and start to, you know, do certain things and, and think of himself as a champion. Because the longer that is, the more they start to build that, that, that confidence and that bravado. And I don't like that. So as a competitor, I was like, no, you know what? Let's go ahead and get that one, get, get this one out the way. Let's send him back on down to where he belongs as a contender. And so for Israel, I'm, 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 I'm sure as a competitor, I'm sure he's feeling a little bit of this as well and thinking, no, I'm not going to, this guy shouldn't have beat me in the first place, just like I felt. This guy shouldn't be in there with me in the first place, as, as I felt. And so you want to get it back and get that stain off of you right away. But if you're guaranteed that shot, I would like to see him take a little bit of time, you know, enjoy mm -hmm. life, but not, not, at the same, not to say he's not going to train or, or, or be in the mix course as a champion we always watch everything we see it we see all and so i would like to see him take a little bit of time and just really just indulge it in being who he is and letting your body rest and recover because when you're fighting over and over and over and over and over your body starts to break down slowly and you don't realize yeah. it until it's too late yeah so i, I would say you know take a little bit of time 
You know what? In, in thinking about it, I just remember the times I would just call you champ. Like your name wasn't even Kamaru Uzman to me. You know, when, when I would talk about you, I'd say the champ because you're, you're one thing for so long. It's what you become associated with. And when everybody calls you that, you get used to it. And you're reminded daily that you're the guy. And so when that is taken away from you in that fashion, there's a part of us that's always ego. You know, we all like to say, yeah, I'm humble and all those things, but you work damn hard to be a certain thing. And when you work that hard to be a certain thing and to stay at the top, you do long for not necessarily the attention, but you long for the recognition that I am the best, you know, and so whether it's the Kamaru Usmans, the Amanda Nunez's, the John Jones, Daniel Cormier's, Israel Adesanya, all of that work you put in, you want to see that recognition as well. Another champion who was much like you guys, who now no longer holds the belt, is Valentina Shevchenko, and she was beat by Alexa Grasso when Alexa executed her game plan to perfection, so much so there are videos of her attacking some of the spinning movements they were expecting from Valentina Shevchenko, taking her back and winning by submission. When you look at this fight, another immediate rematch, which is deserved based on what Valentina Shevchenko did as the champion. When you see this fight, do you expect Alexa Grasso to even be better than she was the first time? Or will the experience in the championship rounds of Valentina Shevchenko show up and she regain her belt? That's another one, RC. That's another one right there to where when you are fighting someone who's not exactly supposed to be in there right now at that time and you let them hang around long enough, long enough, and they start to build that confidence that they do belong in here. You find yourself yeah. in a fist fight or in some type of situation <laughs> where you don't want to be in. And that is, <laughs> that is this case to a T. Alexa Grasso, I believe at the time, was ranked number three or maybe even lower yep. than that in, that in that fight. Yeah, it was three. You're right. And, mm -hmm. yes, and, and, and got the opportunity to fight because Valentina had ran through the, the entire division. And then when she, took, when she got in there, she took full advantage of that opportunity. Because looking at that fight, who thought Valentina Shevchenko was going to lose to Alexa Grasso? Yep. On the other hand, I knew how good Alexa Grasso was. And if you look at my prediction, I actually predicted that. I love Valentina Shevchenko, and I, I, love, I see how dominant she is, and I love that. But I actually predicted that. Alexa Grasso has some of the best boxing in that division, and she had continuously gotten better and better and better. Now, you get into a fist fight, and Valentina Shevchenko leaves you in there long enough you could tell, you could start to see Alexa Grasso start to find her distance, start to control the exchanges, the boxing ranges, what, something that you never really see from anyone. And when she got, a full, you know, she got the opportunity, she took full advantage, jumped on her back like a spider monkey, like you said, and was able to get that finish. <laughs> so this is one of those things that now when the rematch, it becomes even harder to try to get that belt off of these contenders because they jump in there as just contenders they leave as champion. That's a whole mm. other confidence that they have now in thinking and saying to themselves, oh, I was the best all along. I just needed the opportunity. Yeah, you know, it, it, it reminds me, and I don't mean to bring it up, but I was actually octagon side 
in London, and I'm expecting to see what I had seen from you in the entire first fight against Leon Edwards, and for basically four rounds and 50 seconds of the second fight, but there was a level of confidence that he had in being the champion, and there was an extra, you could see there was an extra level of the way that he stepped into the octagon as compared to what it was when you had the belt as champion. So, man, we appreciate your analysis and also, too, being able to speak from the view and perception of someone who did what you did at such a high level such a long time as the former welterweight champion. But right now, bro, I normally do this with DC. We finna tap in and tap out, man. And it's your first time, so I'm gonna try to carry you through it to make sure you do it the right way. <laughs> All right, guys, this past weekend, Drake placed a large wager on Izzy and lost. He has been known to make large bets in the past on MMA, including one in your favor, Kamaru. So, Kamaru, tap in or tap out, there is a Drake MMA curse. Uh, tap in. Tap in. Uh, I'm sure there was one on the McGregor and, and uh, um, what is his name, McGregor and, and Khabib Boy, fight as well. Oh, but, uh, Just like he was. It wasn't basketball for a long time, and he was able to break that. You know, eventually somebody will be able to help him out and, and break this MMA curse. Hey, I tap in that there's a curse on everything that Drake loves for the most part. The reason he makes such great music is because there's a curse on his love life. The reason Kentucky hasn't won a championship in years is because they let Drake go out there and shoot three-pointers. <laughs> there is a Drake curse. There's a reason people are saying, do not bet on any of our fighters. Drake, I'm sorry, people love you as a fan because they love the fact that you made great music, but they don't love you as a fan because there is no championships if Drake is on your side. Alright guys, we finally got to see Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury face off ahead of their boxing match later this year. RC, tap in or tap out, Ngannou looks the part standing next to the champ. I tap in that he looks the part because Francis Ngannou is also a champion. What I tap out on is Francis Ngannou having to best Tyson Fury in what he does better than anyone in the heavyweight division, which is throw these hands in boxing. And so though I want Francis to get that bag, I believe if Francis lands a shot, he can win. We have seen Tyson Fury wake, wake up from the dead before, and I just don't know if Francis has enough to put the champ out. I'm going to go ahead and tap in on this one because when you see most guys uh, stand next to Tyson Fury, he, he, he towers over them. And, yes, he is towering a little bit over Francis. But on fight night, both of them will be shirtless. And when Francis Ngannou steps in there, it's just something about him, his aura that is so big that I guarantee you Tyson Fury – and Tyson Fury said it himself. That's a big boy right there. And when they step in there on fight night – and we'll see how big Francis really is. All right, guys, last one. UFC's fight night on September 23rd. Muhammad Usman steps back into the octagon to face off against Jake Collier. Kamaru, tap in or tap out. This is your brother's toughest test to date. Tap in. Tap in. For sure. This is a, this is a, his toughest challenge to date because Jake Collier has tons of fights in the UFC already. And, and, and one of those is... Is him, and one of the things that the UFC likes to do with with certain guys is they they build some of these guys. They build them. They give them a fight that's a level above, a level above, a level above. They don't just leave you on one level forever. And Muhammad Usman is going to find that out September twenty third. But one thing about him is 
he seems a lot more dedicated. I, I watched him for the most part of this camp. He came down here in, in South Florida, and, and this guy was okay with some of these veterans, you know, really putting it on him to prepare him for that fight. So I, I'm excited, and I can't wait to see how he goes out there and just displays his improvements. Yeah, I tap in as well because this is what it's supposed to be. As the UFC continues to give you fights, they're supposed to step you up a level to see if you can cut it or if you can't. This is no longer the ultimate fighter where you're fighting the guys in the house. And so I'm excited to see Muhammad go out and fight. But this is going to be his toughest test because he's fighting someone that is experienced and more experienced than he is in the UFC. I look forward to seeing what the training has done for him. But, bro, I appreciate you, Kamaro. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for your analysis, bro. Always dope to hang with you, my boy. And remember, man, you ain't got to button your shirt all the way to the top. You can let some of that neck out, bro. <laughs> Next week, guys, DC appreciate is back. Kamaru Uzman, we appreciate you. Uh, Laura Senko joined us as well. She was amazing. Wherever you get hey, your should, podcast, I, you can I, catch I us, DC and RC. Sorry to interrupt. I told DC, I said, hey, I'm going on the show. It's, it's me and RC's show now. So, you know, I like to step and fly, but me and you actually dress nicely. So we should just take over the show and we should just call it Step and Fly. The new show starring RC and Kamaru Usman. Hey, we're going to take over the show. We're going to step fly. Catch us at midnight two p- uh, on Tuesdays, ESPN2. We appreciate you guys. Next week, DC is back. We got him on the PJ right now. See y'all soon.